The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's www.adworks.com slash Bill Risser. Let's say they are on LinkedIn and they're not connected with you. They can definitely still see your summary. And I like to see the summary as an opportunity for you to expand beyond just your work experience. It's an opportunity for people to get a feel for who you are, how you think. You can throw some personal things in there so people can, can feel like they're getting to know you better. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. I had the opportunity to see my guest today on episode 73 at this summer's Inman Connect event in San Francisco. Her name is Italina Kirkness and she's an online presence expert and how we look online today is more important than ever. Idlina is also a LinkedIn specialist, so I'm really excited to talk about that network that I think is kind of the, the lost little stepchild of social media. So I'm excited to talk about that. Idlina, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bill. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, I know that you've worked with our guest from episode 71, Jim Wahlberg, and his team up in Northern California. Are you uh, a native? Are you born and raised in that part of the country? Oh, you know, speaking about Jim, Jim, is there's just nobody like him. There's no one like Jim Wahlberg. <laughs> I agree. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was born in New York, in Brooklyn, New York. But I must say I'm definitely a California girl. I've um, spent most of my life being raised in California. So I definitely am a California girl. So born in Brooklyn, that's kind of cool. But what, what brought you across the country to California? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I love this. I never get to tell tell this. Um, basically, I was born, you know, in the snow and in, in the wintertime. I'm an October baby, so it's really cold. And my dad, he was in the Army, so he was actually away at the time when my mom, <laughs> when her, her water broke. And she got it in her head that she was going to walk to the hospital in the snow Unfortunately, a bus, it was nighttime, a bus that was out of service happened to go by, picked her up, and took her straight to the hospital. Now, I was, I had, there was a lot of complications, like, for the first two years of my life. So I'm in and out of the hospital. And just, by the way, I have this photo. My dad, he's in his army gear. Yeah. And he has that blue kind of sheet that the hospital gives you. So he got there in time for my birth. So there's this picture of him holding me, my little baby, my mom right there in the living room. So he was able to get there on time. So I thought that's pretty special. Anyway, I had a lot of health complications. I had pneumonia, and the doctors said I had a weak immune system, and I was just always sick. My parents couldn't take me home. And finally, when I was two, the 
doctor said, you know, this baby is going to die. Your best bet is to just move to a better climate. That's how we ended up in California. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's how we ended up in California. And, of course, as an adult, I just learned to really take care of myself. And because I still uh, have, I, mean, I don't want to claim this, having an immune system, weak immune system, but I just make sure I'm just that much more conscious about what I put in my body so that I am able to, to stay healthy. Tell me what you like uh, the most about Northern California. It's a very beautiful place, but what are some of your favorite parts, things? Yeah. Sure. So the first thing I think about is the sense of community. You know, I've, I've done quite a bit of traveling, and I've met other people who've traveled quite a bit, and they say there's just nothing particularly about the East Bay. Like, there's this sense of community, collaboration, embracing new people, and letting them in, where, in contrast, I've heard others say, oh, you know, more of a keeping your cards close to your chest and and whereas here you know you walk down the street and people are saying hello to you it's it's a it's warm feeling right can we talk about the east bay you know san francisco side versus the east bay dynamic in the up there in the bay? it's they're definitely two different they're different places right yeah can you talk about that difference sure sure so like across the bridge for example um, you know, there's a, obviously with all the technology and so forth, there's a lot of relocation happening. Google's relocating people over and, um, the different companies. They have uh, people coming to, whether it be coming from SF or versus being in the East Bay. And here in the East Bay, again, it's that really warm sense. Like people are, are willing to talk to you even though they don't know you. Um, whereas in more the the city life, right? People are just more that hustle bustle. There's you're you're speeding through to your next destination, and might not be as inclined to talk to a stranger. You have an amazing LinkedIn profile, which makes sense. So I was able to get a lot about what <laughs> you've done, and so I know you played uh, competitive tennis at a pretty high level. I mean, I know you attended college on a on a tennis scholarship, and um, I'd love to start with a question about that because I, I find that when I talk to people who were athletes, it really requires you to have this different level of focus and intensity, and that has to play over nicely into your to your work life. Can you can you talk about that dynamic? Well, definitely. Well, I would certainly say I did not have your traditional childhood uh, in that every day after school, I was going to tennis practice uh, on my weekends. I wasn't going to you know parties and sleepovers. I was going to tennis practice. Like tennis was my life. Everything I did, from what I ate to whether how early I went to bed the night before, like everything I did revolved around tennis. And what was really great, though, is I didn't see that as a that was my norm. Right. <laughs> that I didn't I didn't see it as I was missing out on something. I saw it as, hey, I have a special routine, and if I want to be great, if I want to be extraordinary at this, I really have to make sure I feed my body the right, right way. I have to make sure I stay focused on tennis and not necessarily go out for the swim team during swimming season or go and play basketball during basketball season, go run track. It was all about tennis. Yeah. And how young were you when you started? I was eight years old and I loved it. 
Like, no one had to tell me to go to practice. No one had to tell me to eat right. I was like a sponge wanting to soak everything up. And if this, if this was what it would take for me to be extraordinary. Looking at the timing in, in your, the geography, you're in Northern California. Were the Williams sisters kind of doing their thing in Southern California? I mean, did you ever get a chance to see yeah. the tournament? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Serena and I are the same exact age. And so, yes, they were coming up at the same time. Um, I remember at one point she actually came to our town. And, and I've actually met Serena on a couple of occasions, one when we were still pretty young and she came to our town and I was selected as one of the kids who uh, would be able to keep up with her, so to speak. So we played and it was in front of like the whole neighborhood. It was super fun. And then later down the road, once uh, and this was at a, a tournament in the, at the San Jose Arena, so they'd hit the circuit and I was selected, but by now I was a teenager, selected to play what's called an exhibition match against, a doubles match against Venus and Serena and my doubles partner and myself. So almost similar to, you know, how in a football game there's a halftime show. Well, in the tennis match, they have something similar at the live tennis match where, like, there's the mascot running around. I remember Bill Cosby was on the, on the court cracking jokes, you know, entertainment during the break. So we were playing, and it was just a lot of fun. I mean, the packed arena. And then, of course, you know, after I got to court, I, I got to sign autographs. And I'd be walking through the arena, and people come up and run up to me and ask for my autograph. So that was pretty fun. That had to be a blast. Yeah, I could see where that did. <laughs> that would be fun. So, so tennis takes you through college. And what was on your mind as you were – Wrapping up, and you went to, I think you went to Sacramento State, is that right? Yes, yeah. yeah. So I received offers from uh, colleges all over the country, but I felt Sac State was going to be the better fit for me. The Division One team, um, great resources. We had nutritionists and, and um, trainers and everything just for, for us. So I felt like that was the best pick. So what was next for you after tennis then? So you finished school and finished your tennis career. What, what was next? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was funny. During college, I just wasn't really sure what I wanted to do uh, onwards. So there was this woman who happened to be on campus. She was like a mom to me. And she had this article. She pulled out this article in a paper that was advertising a law school forum, which basically allowed you to learn about what law school entails and see if it's a good fit for you. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll I'll go. And sure enough, I heard from graduating law students and attorneys and so forth who talked about what law school was like for them. And just in listening, I thought, well, yeah, I could totally do this. So that's how I kind of made my decision to go to law school. And it was really funny. The next day on campus, I was like walking around campus yelling, I'm going to law school, I'm going to law school. And then someone goes, well, finally, which law school? And I go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that just kind of gives give you an idea of my kind of personality. I'm the kind of person who kind of jumps in first and then figures it all out later. <laughs> right, right. Yep. So, so you're in that world. Tell me, mm -hmm. uh, tell me why you're not working in the, as an attorney now. 
Sure. So when um, I, I figured out which law school I was attending yeah. <laughs> and went to law school and uh, graduated, loved school. During law school, I had all these great internships and opportunities to work in various law firms and even had a an internship with the State Department working with judges. And it gave me a chance to put my toe in different areas of law to see what was out there and what I might prefer. Well, during my various internships, I was excited that I was offered these opportunities. But in doing the work I and being in the office and trying to go down that path, I just didn't feel like this is, this is me, like I have found my place. I didn't feel that. But I thought, well, maybe it'll grow on me. Well, maybe it's a transition. So I pushed through it. And I remember one particular day, I was in the office. I was in the office all by myself. I was really stressed out already, just not just trying to find my way and not really being sure if this was right for me, even though I'd already dedicated so much time, my parents so much time and money and so forth that, you know, any type of graduate school entails. And I, I remember I was in the office, I put my hand on the edge of the desk and I bent over, clutching at my stomach in the most excruciating pain. So Bill, basically I developed too much acid in my stomach because of all the stress I was under. Clearly I was out of alignment. You know, what I was doing on the outside wasn't fitting how I felt and who I, who I was on the inside. So I, my body basically rebelled against me. And really, I, I realized I can't keep this up. Now I'm in pain. It's not just in my head anymore. So I decided that day in the office that I needed to do something. And I, ne- I needed to pursue a career path that I was going to really enjoy and really feel like it was. A, I, I, this is where I fit. So that's that's what I did and I ended up delving into LinkedIn looking for my next career opportunity. And that kind of led you then to the power of that tool, right? Because I, right. I know you've embraced LinkedIn as a, as a relationship and, you know, business building tool and um, talk about then, you know, that transition. Absolutely. While I was on LinkedIn, you know, I was being really active on LinkedIn. Like I spent a lot, like I saw, job search as a job in itself. Um, I was on the site just learning how to really take advantage of the free tools that LinkedIn offers its users. And I was just being really active doing things. And, you know, my network was building. I went from, like, having 40 connections up to hundreds of connections. And I was really active networking, like networking online. And... The next thing you know, my phone started ringing. My phone started ringing and people offered me opportunities as well as um, being asked, how am I doing the different things? I was doing from posting to being in the groups, the LinkedIn groups. People were asking, how are you? What are you doing? How are you doing this? We're seeing you. How are you doing it? So I'd be on the phone literally like walking different people through how to do things on LinkedIn. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be looking for a job right now. 
right. on the phone chatting with this person. <laughs> and after it kept happening, happening, I realized there's a market here. There's a real need here. So uh, that's when I decided to go into business, start my company, make it official, get my business license, all that, and start my um, get my curriculum together and started coaching uh, LinkedIn coaching. In, in in the real estate world, LinkedIn seems to be kind of the odd man out, <laughs> right? In the world of mm-hmm. social, do mm-hmm. you, you agree with that assessment? Definitely, definitely. In yeah. fact, I was on a podcast. Uh, previously and I called it the the stepchild of social media right so why why do you think that is for realtors what's what's the hesitancy in using it yeah I would definitely say it's because LinkedIn first established itself as a go-to career search tool but then as uh, it evolved or uh, LinkedIn came up about in um I think 2002, and then Facebook later in 04. And so in an effort to keep up with Facebook, it uh, evolved and tried to change itself into being more robust and more of a networking tool as well as a tool for business professionals, business owners, such as real estate agents. But everyone didn't necessarily get that memo. (laughs) So there, there, it's still, it has that, uh, because it first had that brand of the job search tool, I think people failed to miss the boat on the fact that this is a social media tool now where you can really use to network and build business, build relationships and opportunities for yourself as a business owner as a, or as a professional. Um, we'll talk more about LinkedIn a little bit later, but it, it, it's just one part of an agent's online presence, right? What, if in your, mm-hmm. in your opinion, absolutely. What are other components that are critical to that online presence? Right. Well, when you think about real estate and, you know, we, our business, we typically only work with the real estate community. That's why you were able to see me at uh, the Inman conference, you know, over 3,000 real estate industry professionals. Like that's our niche. And the reason why I saw a need for us to serve real estate in particular is because real estate is a relationship-heavy business. When a buyer or seller wants to work with a real estate agent, they're asking their friends, who should I work with? Do you know someone? Right? They're not just pulling up some random person. They want to get to know that real estate agent. Okay. So that being the case, I'm very aware that social media is, is just one way in which you can help people get to know you or help people get off the fence when deciding whether or not to work with you. So the, Three biggest sites we use for our agents, and we see our agents having a lot of success as far as engaging and communicating back and forth with these buyers and seller prospects, are sites like Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And what those three sites have in common is people can talk back and forth with you. There's a lot of engagement, a lot of comments, a lot of people being able to directly message and chat with you. I love the fact that you bring up the fact that it's about conversations and relationships. It's not all about just posting content, right? You got to have a conversation. Exactly. Right, right. And exactly. Yeah. You, you've also really embraced video. You've got a lot of stuff on your channel. Um, you're, you're playing there a lot. And it's I always say it's been the year of video and real estate for like the last five years and still 
very few realtors embrace it. Why do you think that's the case? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say just as a whole, if you look at industries who are using technology, real estate just tends to be behind in general as a whole. And then commercial real estate, even more behind. Right. right. <laughs> but uh, so there, there's, there's that. And then there's the whole, look at the age demographic of your real estate agent. You're, I think the number just went down to like 53. Previously, it was like 57. Right. So they didn't come up with, um, you know, cell phones. They, they've been in business already with, uh, you know, 30 years. And they've they done that many without marketing, they say, without any marketing. It's like I get up in the morning, walk to the coffee shop, and I got clients. You know, so there's that, there's that whole idea of I've been doing business great for the last several decades, just fine. And, of course, with any change is that hesitancy or even fear factor of whether to do something, jump into something completely different. So there's that, too. You know, feeling like, do I really need to do this when I've been doing business just fine uh, without it? What are some of the common mistakes you see? When you say you're doing an assessment of a client's online presence, what are the ones that pop up over uh -huh. and over? Yeah, so I'll 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 just go let's use a couple different sites. So for one, on Facebook, one of the biggest mistakes I see on Facebook is mm, I see that they are using their personal page, like they're connected to other others in the real estate industry professionally, and I think that's great. It's it's a networking tool. You're connecting with people on a more personable level on your personal page. And then you have your business page where you're sharing more, more marketing or business-focused uh, posts, and that's great. But the mistake that I see is there's no link between the personal page and the business page, meaning on your personal page, there's a section that allows you to put where you work, where you went to school even, on different things. And the mistake that I see on the where you work piece, there you should actually be putting a link to your business page. So for example, uh, you know, if you're in, uh, you work at Chicago Title, you have a, your own personal like Chicago Title business page that you made just for you, then you should say you work at Chicago Title, whatever you named your page, maybe at Chicago Title, SF or Chicago Title, Contra Costa County. You, that's the name of your page. You want to put that as where you work so that when people go to your personal page and connect with you there, they can see, oh, you're entitled. Awesome. And click on your page and be able to like your page and see what you've got going on there. Right. And then how about on some of the other networks? Now, the mistake I see on LinkedIn is they're not using LinkedIn, meaning right. they have the profile, they have the account. And that's it. That's all they've done. So when you go to the page, what you'll see is a headshot. You'll see their job title, which is really generic, meaning a title that every other agent also has. And then just a list of the companies where they've worked. It's just a list. Meaning if I have a prospect and I go to that page and I'm trying to find out more about this person, I can't because there's nothing there. So the biggest mistake I see is, hey, you have this profile. Use it. Like, you might as well put something on it. <laughs> right. So what I, is, I liken it to having a gym membership, but not going to the gym. You really embrace the multimedia aspect of LinkedIn, right? Because you can have photos and videos and, and documents mm -hmm. 
I don't think people realize how much stuff you can have. You on can your put back. on there. Right. I give over 40 talks a year, and every once in a while, I hear someone say in the audience, I didn't even know you can post on LinkedIn. Right. So you can definitely post on LinkedIn. You can, to your own individual profile, you can add photos. They didn't know that you do that. And videos and slide slideshows. You can put a whole listing presentation on there, whatever you want. Like just really show your, how dynamic and rich you are. You can add your interests, and it's it's a great great tool. Yeah. Um, let's 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 talk about some other tips and and things that you have that you would offer to somebody about LinkedIn. I, I know you mentioned the profile, and I think that the um, summary part of the profile, right? is uh-huh. really overlooked because if I, if I might have this wrong, but you can correct me, isn't this, the summaries visible to everybody who finds your profile? They don't have to be connected to you to see your summary, right? Yeah. Well, they, I know for sure the section where you're the, at the very top of your headshot and your job title. So say some, someone's not on LinkedIn. Um, they don't even have a LinkedIn account, but they Google you. And they and they click on LinkedIn. At least that first section with your job title and everything that shows up. Yep. So this is for someone who doesn't have a LinkedIn account. Even if they don't have a LinkedIn account, they can Google you and see that top very top section. And this is why it's so important that you use that because there's a lot of information in there. Meaning uh, there is actually a lot of space in there that people don't realize that there is. So if you go to my LinkedIn, for example, and please definitely connect with me on LinkedIn, you'll see just in the section in, with my name, my job title is in there. It's, I've crammed a lot of information in there to take advantage of that free real estate, so to speak, that LinkedIn has offered. And that's for people who aren't even on LinkedIn. Right. What's next? Then for people, even if they're not, let's say they are on LinkedIn, and they're not connected with you, they can definitely still see your summary. And I like to see the summary as an opportunity for you to expand beyond just your work experience. It's an opportunity for people to get a feel for who you are, how you think. You can throw some personal things in there so people can can feel like they're getting to know you better. Yeah, I think that that's a misconception with LinkedIn. So many people think it's all business, all professional. But, you know, this... The the telling of stories has so much value in letting people know who you are. And you can do it on LinkedIn. You have that summary. Take advantage of it. I love that idea. That's great. Are there any any, like do's or don'ts when it comes to, you know, your past experience in LinkedIn, in your opinion? Yeah. So what I like to say is because many of us have really diverse backgrounds and work histories. What I would say is you, Think about the what you want or the position that you want or uh, what you want to be known for when deciding what to keep and what to eliminate. So for example, let's say you're new in the real estate industry and you've had work experiences from working at In-N-Out to working in, at a gym as a personal trainer to maybe one other area in customer service. Well, I might eliminate the or leave out the in and out part and keep in the personal trainer and any other area of customer service because those two items carry over being a personal trainer 
being working in customer service carry over to working in real estate? You have to be able to, I think being a trainer shows that you understand service, you feel comfortable working with people, it shows that you have a network as well and know how to build a book of business, which are things that you definitely need to be able to do as a real estate agent. So just think about what you, where you're headed, what you're wanting to be known for when deciding which part of your history you want to keep. Right. Be a little strategic about uh, how you set that up. Let's see. Anything else on LinkedIn that jumps out at you that's an easy, quick fix for most people? Any of us went through our LinkedIn profiles right now. There is a word or two that we may want to change. <laughs> and then you might find that there's lots you want to change because you haven't touched it in ages. But so just go visit it and think about the fact that when someone Googles you, along with your website, or LinkedIn is actually one of the top things that comes up. So you want to think about where this is how you want to be seen by your prospects. Working with successful realtors, we see things that work. And so um, I'll ask you the same question I ask every guest as I wrap up the podcast, and that is, if you could give one piece of advice to an agent just getting started in the business today, what would it be? Oh, I love this question. Well, as I said before, real estate is a relationship-heavy business. It's all about relationships and who you know and, and whether people know you and like you. Well, I see a lot of new agents fretting about things like, oh, my website isn't just right and oh my, should I have a separate logo for my for my for myself as my own personal practice and the way I see it is you're new in the business what you care about is people getting to know you and you getting to know people what you care about is getting in front of people shaking lots of hands getting in front of people and social media makes it so much easier for you and much more efficient way for you to get in front of a lot of people. So if anything, even if you don't have your website just right, get your social media profiles just right and start talking to people, reaching out to people and connecting with people so that you can bring that conversation offline and meet people face to face. It's just a really efficient way to meet people. You know, you make you set up appointments and meet people online. And then set up to meet with them face-to-face because nothing beats that face-to-face. Nothing. It's all about the belly-to-belly. And social media just gives us a way to make that initial connection to someone that we may not have met, you know, because we weren't, we don't run in the same circles. So online just gives you the opportunity to make that initial connection and then be able to meet face-to-face. So I would say if you're new coming to the business, Focus on making sure you have a stellar, you look stellar online. You work with agents who never sold a house because they just started, but we make them look like rock stars online, making it that much easier for people wanting to meet them face-to-face. Italina, if somebody wants to reach out to you uh, and contact you about what you do, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Well, of course, I'm going to say certainly connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Please friend me or connect with me. It's okay to, if you don't have my email address, just say friend on LinkedIn and connect with me. Say you heard me on the podcast here. If you want to just call me more, be more traditional or shoot me a text, you can certainly do that. 
My phone number is actually on my LinkedIn profile, like in the heading where my, my name and job title is. It's at the very top there. Yeah, Lena, mm-hmm. I can't thank you enough for sharing uh, your, your time with us today and talking about like I said, like you called it, the stepchild of social media, LinkedIn. <laughs> so valuable. And thank you so much for, for giving us some, some of your time today. Oh, thank you for allowing me to share and participate. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.